and we are back like we never left on the BIA podcast. Chip, chip, chip. I'm Hugie, that's Philly Phil. We had a bye week last week, so we got to rest up a little bit. Did have an episode, but uh, you, but obviously the Buckeyes didn't have a game. So, uh, Phil, you know, we are playing the Maryland Terrapins this year. Uh, and some will say we were on upset alert, but... Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll flesh that all that out. But how you how you doing today? Doing well, man. Excited to do another episode of the BIA podcast. As a reminder, or if you are a first time listener, the BIA in the name stands for Best in America, uh, a self proclaimed uh, name for the Ohio State secondary, uh, one that we believe in. We believe that BIA is back, uh, and we also. Um, aspire to be the best podcast in America too. So the name is a little double entendre there. Uh, But yeah, I'm excited for the team to be back. It was nice to have a weekend stress-free, you know, not having to worry about the games, kind of like, you know, it'd be great if this team wins, great if this team loses, but, you know, nothing that spikes the heart rate up like the Buckeyes playing. So, but excited to get back into it. Absolutely. So heart rate's going up this week as we're going against a pretty good offensive team. Um, they are basically in the, within the top uh, within the top five of a lot of offensive categories uh, within the Big Ten, I should say, not nationally, but they are still pretty good. Five and zero. Some would say that they. A lot of people have said that they should be ranked within the top twenty-five. Um, they are not, and so. They could be coming in with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. Um, but, you know, so as we get started here, what is the biggest challenge that you see the Buckeyes facing against the Terps on Saturday? Yeah, man. Um, as you mentioned, their offense um, is strong. This year really has been um, the last few years. And the key to that offense, especially this year, is uh, their quarterback, uh, Talia. And, um, you know, I think for me, what I see the biggest challenge being is having that pressure from a defensive line hit home. I'm talking about sacks. So this story has been sort of talked about a lot this year, right? Our defensive line not getting sacks. And we've gone from, you know, you have opposite sides of the spectrum of conversation to say, hey, that's a problem. Our defensive line is not up to par or, you know, people highlighting some of our pressure numbers and saying, hey, a lot of our players on the defensive line are ends are actually getting a lot of pressure. They're just not getting home and finishing with the sacks, but they are impacting the passing game. Um, but uh, I think when it comes to an offense that um, can be this um, sort of efficient, we definitely want to make sure that we're putting them behind the sticks and, you know, having some second and longs and third and, and really longs and sacks will do that for you. So our defense has only um, only garnered five sacks so far this year, uh, if, my, if my stats are correct. And Delia has only been sacked three times this year. So that means, you know, it's kind of one of their strengths versus one of our weaknesses, which is not usually a good combination. So I think it's going to be our, our biggest challenge. Uh, their quarterback, Delia, he's mobile. Uh, and so he's not necessarily going to run for a lot of yards. He doesn't have that many yards this season uh, on the ground, but he does extend plays, right? And so if you do get that pressure, which we are getting, 
Um, it's even harder to get him down because he can bounce out the pocket and usually he's looking to still throw the ball. And so we don't want our, our DBs to have to cover for a very long time. So it's important that if we do get that pressure, that we do get the sack because of his ability to scramble. And so to me, that's the biggest challenge. Um, and, you know, right now for us to succeed, we're going to have to see our players basically do what they haven't been able to do <laughs> for the first part of the season. And that's um, finish the play um, with a tackle behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I feel like every year we've played Talia uh, that this is an issue that not necessarily an issue. It's a challenge that we face as we've seen some of his skill sets before some of his skill set before we actually play the game that he does have some what of a mobility um, that he can uh, pass the ball fairly well. And so I'm with you. I, I definitely am hoping that we are able to get some pressure, take some, take some pressure off of our DBs and put more pressure on Talia and even um, making sure that they don't have a successful running game um, to balance and keep us uh, to keep us off balance, depending on what they do and kind of keep them behind the sticks there. So, um, so yeah, that's a awesome analysis by, by you Philly Phil. Uh, Got to make sure to give some more props on the show. You know what I'm saying? Um, Appreciate but uh, I'm going to transition. Absolutely, man. I'm going to transition over to who I believe will be the best unit. I decided to do offense and defense. Um, offensively, I've looked back at where we have been most successful when we played Maryland. Last year, Dallin Hayden uh, basically got the snaps uh, near the end of the game, middle to the end of the game, because Travion had to leave uh, out of the game because of an injury, a nagging injury he had had uh, pretty much during the season. And he had a huge game. And so I'm looking for our running backs to be the best unit this year again. And knowing that we have a, a healthy Travion Henderson, um, Chip Trainum basically had <laughs> – the run of the year so far, winning the game for us at Notre Dame in our last game. And uh, like I said, we recently had success against Maryland in the run game. They've given up 736 yards on the ground. Uh, but I went back, obviously, looked at who they played. Um, so game number one, Towson. Towson is a small school in Maryland basically the equivalent to Youngstown State for us. <laughs> they play second game, Charlotte. Charlotte has one win this year against South Carolina State, HBCU. Third game, UVA. UVA is still searching for their first win, and they could possibly be upset by William & Mary this year, uh, this week, excuse me. <clears throat> Michigan State. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Mel Tucker is – was no longer a coach at that time. Uh, that was the second game that they had without Mel Tucker. So clearly they've been going through some issues. And then lastly, Indiana. Indiana came off a game struggling against Akron. And I I implore all of our audience to go and look at the post-game celebration footage of Indiana in the locker room. Um, it will make your day. Uh, after they beat Akron. <laughs> yeah, if you like and, Leave it to Beaver, then you'll love uh, this uh, celebration. 
It was definitely, they may have had on the throwback unis. They had the throwback celebration. It was the throwback night that night. And uh, they, 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 they do it up. But they lost to Maryland when they ended up playing Maryland. And we know Indiana is uh, one of the bottom teams uh, in the Big Ten. And so this is their first legit running game, running attack that they're going to be playing against. And so I looked for us to capitalize on that. Defensively, I believe our best unit is going to be our D-line. Nothing from from Maryland's point of view. Like you said, they have had three sacks this year. Um, They have not faced a defensive line like ours. And so the things, the notes that I have here is that I think that Jack Jack Sawyer and JTT uh, have some confidence coming off of that Notre Dame game. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they still have something to prove. And Tyleek Williams has yet to be stopped this year. If Notre Dame couldn't stop Tyleek Williams, Maryland's not going to stop Tyleek Williams. And so um, I believe that uh, that that three sack number is going to increase after this game. I hope that and expect that they will have uh, at least two to three sacks in this game as they play uh, the Buckeyes in Columbus this weekend. So um, so there, there you have it. Running backs are going to be our best unit on offense, and I'm looking for our D-line to take that pressure, like I said before, off of our DBs. Yeah, man, sounds sounds good. That sounds like a recipe um, for a win if, you, if those two units are doing what they're supposed to be doing. Speaking of that, score prediction time. Um, I don't remember who went first last time, um, but I'll let uh, you go first. You know. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I was about to hand it off to you, but you <laughs> handed it off to me. Okay. Um, man, I, I, uh, I was really thinking about this. Uh, this is going to be the closest score that I have predicted. Ohio state wins 35 to 24. I definitely think Maryland's going to score. I hope they don't they don't score early. I hope that we're not <laughs> cut in on other games as an upset alert potentially. Um, you know, but we know that this is I think this is gonna be a little bit tougher than what we expect. But at the end of the day, I do believe that our defense is gonna hold them to under 30 points. Um, and I believe that our offense, Kyle McCord, is gonna come through uh where he needs to come through uh, on our offensive possessions. Yeah, that, I, I like that. I'm not too far off from you. <clears throat> um, similarly, we know their their offense is probably going to put up some points. So I have the final score being Ohio State 31, Maryland 20. So a little bit, a uh, little bit more stout on the defensive end. Predicting, um, yeah, I can see actually a game where you know if Maryland has 20 I can kind of see them having 14 in that first half and kind of our defense being able to get better as the game goes on which I think has been um you know pretty consistent for most of our games this year you can argue with Notre Dame that our defense got a little tired in that third quarter because they had the ball (laughs) Um, Notre Dame had the ball for for a very long time but I do think that um you might see that where Maryland does get off to a pretty decent start but then our defense is able to make adjustments in the second half and kind of lock them down. So yeah, I've got 31 to 20 Ohio state winning uh, for those who are, are betting people who are sinners like that, uh, like myself, 
you'll know that Ohio State is, um, I think, you, you can double check while I'm saying this, I think they're around a 20-point favorite. Uh, I think that you know, it opened at maybe 21. It had been bet down to around 19, um, but it's around that 20, 19-point range, so pretty close, three touchdowns. 20 and a half. 20 and a half, yeah. So it's a 20 and a half right now. That's pretty close to three touchdown lead. That's a, that's a to me, a little disrespectful for a team that, you know, we both think deserves to be a ranked opponent. Um, so, yeah, even our, our scores are, are, you know, closer than right now Vegas is predicting. But that might be a setup for us. So <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it feels weird for Ohio State to not have been dominant this year, to play an undefeated team and be expected to win by three touchdowns. Um, hopefully that happens. I'll be I'll be happy to be wrong about my 30 to 20, 31 to 20. But um, but yeah, just for perspective, that's what the Vegas right now is, is seeing a bit of a larger margin than we are. Yeah, we've been talking outside of the show. Like, you know, our, obviously as we get closer to through October, going into November, getting to the game and just kind of seeing what the team up north is doing and like how we're going to do and all this. And it's like, no, nope, let's stop. Let's go ahead and beat Maryland first. Let's let's get this dub against Maryland and then focus on um, the schedule at hand. But uh, we've talked a lot about quarterback play in particular uh, with uh, Talia Tagovailova. Definitely feel like I got that wrong, <laughs> but we're going to keep. But we're going to keep going. Uh, don't mean to disrespect his name by, by any means, but uh, you know we've talked about basically Talia's game and how he's uh, definitely progressed through his career, and they've gotten to a point where they're pretty efficient so far this year. Uh, he's been in college football since 2019. He started out with Alabama. Um, and then he transferred to Maryland. So he's been with Maryland since 2020, which was obviously a weird fluky year. And we're going to get more into that. But one question that was posed um, by uh, the Fox College Football uh, IG account was, who do you trust more, Kyle McCord or Talia Tagovailova? I can go first in this on this. Let me let me let me go first. Actually, you okay, do. okay, go let ahead. Let me go first. Okay, so I'm a, I'm a, I'm a take the booze from the Buckeye faithful, and I'm gonna say Talia. Okay, um, this year he's been he's been really important for for Maryland, and to me, the difference is he is the centerpiece of their offense. He is the the primary gear that gets it rolling. He is um, top five right now in terms in the in the country, not just the Big Ten in terms of points um, responsible for. And so uh, he's you know I think he's top fifteen in in the country in, in passing yards. Um, he's just somebody who is kind of the focal point, uh, and that you know might be my necessity, but it's also um, it also demonstrates certain level of responsibility that he has for that team, that they are, they go as he goes right on offense for Ohio state. Um, you know, as, as an Ohio state fan, you're just kind of hoping that McCord just manages things that he doesn't mess up. He doesn't make a big mistake. 
And he just gets the ball, just get the ball to our guys who are who we expect to control that game. So to me, when it comes to who would I trust more, I'm going to trust the person. I'm going to lean with who the coach trusts more. Right. And I think that that Maryland coaching staff trusts Salia a lot more than than Ryan Day and um, Heartline uh, trust Kyle McCord. And we can see that. I'm not making it up. I got receipts. It's called the play calling. <laughs> They're not calling plays that feature him as a guy to win us games. And so obviously he did win us a game, literally, in that final drive against Notre Dame. But they had that at that point, they had no choice. So uh yeah, I'm gonna say I trust uh Mr. Tagavaloa um more right now. And I think that <laughs> you can just see that in the way that he is the focal point of the offense um, in a way that even when you mentioned, Hugh who's going to be the best unit? You went with the running backs. You expect our running game to win this game. Do you? And we definitely are not expecting Maryland's running game, knock on wood, but we're not expecting that to be the factor. And so that's why I'm going with um, the Maryland quarterback. Thinking back last year, even CJ struggled against Maryland. So, and I know that a lot of that production – uh, graduated, went to the draft, um, and they're playing in the league now. But pr- primarily the DB, I don't, f- I forget his name, the DB that covered Marvin Harrison Jr. That was a payday for him. <laughs> uh, even regardless, we were looking ahead at Michigan because that was our second to last game during the regular season. It is what it is. But that's a, that's a, so give you props there. That's a great conventional answer. Um, now for me with the cheers. From Buckeye Faithful, from Buckeye Buckeye Nation, I'm taking Kyle McCord. And here's why I'm taking Kyle McCord. I didn't think about this, but one of the points that you made, they are calling plays for running backs, screen plays for the wide receivers, stuff like that. On a freaking fourth and one, we did a a, a sweep, jet sweep with Emeka. I wish that they would have thrown it. Whatever. When the game counted, when it was on the line, let's actually go before that. Before that, Western Kentucky, Kyle started cooking. Man, he got his confidence. I think that's actually where this confidence started, began to build. We steamrolled uh, Western Kentucky. Running game was on point. That, but that's one of those things that did help Kyle, uh, and that's what we're going to need to have happen here uh, as the season progresses. But Kyle put up big numbers in that game. Going to South Bend against Notre Dame. When the game counted, Kyle was there. Now, there was one throw that was almost that was almost intercepted by a Notre Dame linebacker that I like to forget. And that, yeah, I saw it as it happened. Um it I mean, both hands, he got both hands on it, but it didn't happen. Okay. And Kyle was throwing some clutch, making some clutch passes, man, um, making some clutch throws in that game. Uh, and so this was what – this is why I'm taking McCord is because I had to look back at what game – big game has Talia won. I know football is a team sport. It's, you know, Maryland. Uh, Talia doesn't play both sides of the ball. But looking back at – some of the games that Talia has played, his biggest win was in the year 2020 
on the road at Penn State. They won a convincingly game. They won, they, they won convincingly. It, the score was 35 to 19. But everybody knows in a way, and I and I actually don't like it when people say that was a fluky year. You know, 2020 was this. I mean, you had some players that just didn't play in certain games. So, you know, fans were, weren't in the stands um, at, in Happy Valley. So they, they got that win. You don't have that pressure uh, going into a game like that in 2020. Albeit, that is his biggest win that he has had. So I don't know what he looks like in a big moment. And I remember last year, um, actually, he had an opportunity to have a winning drive, even against us. He got sacked. It was a fumble. He ended up getting hurt on that play. No, I'm not. And this is no fault to him. I'm not faulting him for getting hurt. I'm just saying that, you know, there's a phrase I like to use. And I know that you said I have a limit on the amount of times I can say this on a pod episode. But Kyle McCord's drive against Notre Dame in Notre Dame in prime time, one of the biggest games this year, puts him in a status that I like to call world beater in training. I'm going to say that he's in training, okay? He's just in training. What is a world beater, okay? Looking back, I, I, I'm i not going to think off this. Okay, Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers is, is someone who beat Alabama in Alabama. He was a big reason that they won that game. Uh, I'm trying to think of, of some other names here. Um, Caleb Williams. I'll, I'll go ahead and say he's a world beater. He has great skill. He's got uh, the ability to escape the pocket. He has won. They have won big games. They beat UCLA last year. They beat Notre Dame last year. You know, the three team, well, two teams that he stumbled against last year, Utah and Tulane, not going to go down the road. There's just certain people who are not world beaters. And Talia, to me, is not that. I haven't seen it yet. Now, do I think that he's going to beat one of the top three teams in the Big Ten East? If it's going to be any year, I don't even know if it's going to be this year. I hope it is obviously not us. <laughs> I hope it's Michigan or Penn State, clearly. But I, I even then, I don't see him pulling off an upset. And that's what it would be. It would be an upset because he has not had any big wins in his career. He's won. Yes, he has won. And even I, if you want to look at what his second victory was, it was against Michigan State in 2021. So, I mean, Michigan State, they've been, they've been cool. So um, that's, my, that's my answer. And I just, I could just feel Buckeye Nation just having my back. Like that felt good. That felt good. So they, they might have had your back in the beginning, and then you kept on talking and started <laughs> seeming like comparing Kyle McCord to Caleb Williams and uh, Quinn Ewers. And I think they kind of had to turn the volume back down on the on the on their dials. Like, hold on, hold on, brother man. <laughs> you got a little too much tip on your chip, but uh. Yeah, no, I, I I agree that I'm not I don't put Tulia in some category um, as one of the you know most dangerous you know QBs leading a team in the country like the players you compared him to, but I still think it matters to be the person that the responsibility for your team winning is put on, and um, yes, Kyle McCord had that responsibility for one drive in that game, but. We didn't go into that game saying like, 
let's see Kyle McCord carry this team to victory or let's see Kyle McCord put on a show. Um, and so, but I think if you're a Maryland fan, that's what you are expecting. And if you're a Maryland coach, it's what you're expecting of your quarterback. And so I think to me, that just gives that extra responsibility, I think deserves um, an extra amount of respect. Well, we can both agree that we want to see a Buckeye win this Saturday and um, and that we can are looking, if you don't have that trust in McCord already, that we are going to want to see that uh, as the season moves on. So, uh, so yeah. With that said, coming up, we've already alluded to quarterback play. Um, we're going to look at the national scene, and we're going to talk about who our Heisman hopefuls are uh, as we head into week six. That's coming up next. And we are back here on the BIA pod, and we're going to go over our top three Heisman prospects uh, as we head into week six. And so with that, I'm going to go ahead and go first. My top three Heisman hopefuls. Number one, I've got Michael Penix Jr. from the University of Washington. Number two, I've got Quinn Ewers, former Buckeye, but who plays for the University of Texas. And at number three, the Heisman winner from last year, Caleb Williams from USC. So for you got. All right. So for my Heisman hopefuls, uh, I share two of your three. Um, so I also have Michael Penix Jr. Uh, on my list. Uh, my second uh, hopeful is Caleb Williams. But I'm going to depart from you on Quinn, just like he departed from Ohio State. And I'm going oh. to tell you who really should be in that number three spot. And that's Bo Nix, quarterback. Oregon Ducks. Wow. Quack, quack. Okay. Maybe we'll start, we'll wow. start with, uh, start with That's Caleb and, and Penix and like why we both, you know, agreed on those two. Um, what do you got, Eugene? Caleb Williams, he doesn't have the big win yet. He actually hasn't played. He's only played through one complete game um, that I've seen. He, I don't remember if he played all the way through his – game against Arizona State, even though it was kind of tight. Look, their defense is bad, and they're winning because they're scoring points. Because if they weren't scoring enough points, if they are not going to score enough points in the big games, then it's, their defense is going to let them down. But Caleb, he obviously is making plays. He's doing what he needs to do. I mean, they torched Colorado this past week. Colorado did come back but not at the fault of the offense. It was at the fault of uh, their de- USC's defense. And Colorado actually played it close. He played; They played it close. And they got some ridicule as to why they mismanaged the end of that game. But one of the, the things that I've heard some analysts and some pod, uh, other people in other pods talk about is the fact that they didn't want to give the ball back to Caleb Williams because they know that he was going to score. And so that's a lot of respect. To, to give someone um, 
basically who's already won the Heisman and who could possibly be the second person to win back-to-back Heisman trophies. Yeah, I mean, you've got a lot of specifics there. I'll just say he makes wild plays. I mean, every week he's got to play, whereas, you know, he's shuffling uh, and just getting out of stuff and then not only making a positive play out of what seemed to be a loss, but making a 60-yard touchdown pass to an inevitably wide-opened USC receiver who just catches it and just, like, scoops in for the last 20 yards and, you know, the DBs are all looking like, what are we supposed to do? We were just trying to cover an elite athlete for, you know, eight seconds. So, uh, yeah, for me, that's just just the the tape, you know, in terms of the eye test and the wild plays and the, uh, you know, the clips and the YouTube moments and the Sports Center top 10 stuff. Caleb Williams is uh, way above anybody else right now in college football. His Pac-12 counterpart, Michael Penix Jr., I just, you know, picking this, I, I'm just rooting for him. Um, he started out his career at Indiana, um, and he had a season-ending in, injury while he was there. Uh, he transfers to Washington, has a pretty good year last year. They get to a bowl game. They won the win the bowl game against Texas, and he's off to just <clears throat> on a lot of other boards and a lot of other – Heisman hopeful charts. He's at the top. He's at the top or he's near the top. Um, just like Caleb Williams, he does not have the big win yet. They did go to Michigan State um, as they had basically um, a two-year series with the Spartans. And he won that. they won that game convincingly two years in a row. Uh, now, just as a side note, this is this was the first game that Mel Tucker did not play, or I'm sorry, coach for Michigan State. But they ain't got nothing to do with Washington. They handle business. They handle business. And Michael Penix Jr. is leading that offense. And, you know, we'll get to this in the locks, but they've basically been waxing everybody except for their last, uh, <laughs> the last team they played in Arizona, Pac-12 after dark. But anyways. Yes. So for me, um, you know, I am going to talk about the numbers for for Penix. He is uh, second in the country in terms of passing touchdowns um, on the year with 16, and he's first in passing yards. And for passing yards, he's you know over 200 yards more than the second place um, person on that list, uh, which is pretty significant in such a um, short amount of season. So to me, he's just you know he's an elite passer. Um, and we'll see if he's an elite leader, as you mentioned, when he plays bigger games. But right now, um, you know, he's throwing that ball as good as anybody else. And he's got great receivers that are helping helping those numbers. Um, but he's hitting them when he needs to. So, yeah, that's why I've got him in my top three as well. And now we get to where we disagree. Now I've got Quinn. You got Bo. Two great names. <laughs> Two, yes. And... I've got Quinn because, you know, looking – every college football fan knows that you got to have that moment. Now, it's arguable to say who's had the bigger moment. You know, I could, I've argued earlier in the podcast that McCord had a big moment in terms of that last drive against Notre Dame. But if he would have scored a passing touchdown, 
or even if he would have ran it in, maybe that would have sealed a moment for Kyle. But we know he doesn't have the numbers to back up being in the Heisman conversation. Quinn went to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, at night, Bryant-Denny Stadium, because that's what a lot of people have been saying when they bring up the fact that Texas went down and won. Even last year, when Alabama came to Austin, people said if Quinn didn't get hurt, Texas was going to win that game. Out of these guys, to me, he's got that moment right now. His numbers are... uh, uh, I know they're not there yet with them. Um, I'll look them up when you go to talk about your about Bo. Actually, I got him here. So Quinn has uh, fourteen hundred yards, fifteen touchdowns, and one interception on the year. Um, Caleb Williams has sixteen hundred yards. Michael Penix has two thousand yards. Uh, Caleb Williams is leading the three of them with twenty four touchdowns. And uh, Michael Penix only has 16. So uh, one more touchdown over Quinn. But, I mean, man, I mean, they played Bama, the mighty Bama. Now, not as mighty as they've been. <clears throat> Alabama's on a, somewhat of a down year so far that we've seen. And I'm predicting that they're going to lose a little bit more. But uh, we'll get to that on, on other episodes. So I will end that and let you go ahead and talk about Bo. <clears throat> yeah. There's uh, something about both. So listen, you. I'm glad you decided to talk about stats. Numbers matter. Um, if we're looking at the rankings of quarterbacks, um, we talked about passing yards. Bo Nix, top 15 in the country in passing yards. Is uh, Quinn Ewers in top 15? No, he's number 25 in the country. Okay, it's not, it's not great, but that's one stat. Come on, it's one stat. Let's go about... Points responsible for Bo, top five, top five in the country. Quinn, number 12. Okay. Well, he said he played the mighty Alabama. Okay. Not so mighty. Almost lost to uh, South Florida. But let's look at another stat because that's only two. It's only two stats. Let's look at efficiency. Okay. That seems like it's, you know, a kind of stat that can tell a more complete story. Bo Nix, another top 10 finish there. He's number nine in efficiency. Quinn Ewers, number 22. Passing touchdowns. Bo Nix, tied for fourth. One, only one less than Michael Penix, who we just said is having an outstanding year throwing the football. Bo Nix only has one less touchdown than him. Number four, Quinn Ewers. Let me keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. He's down here at 28, right behind the quarterback from Boston College. So, um, yes, <laughs> Quinn Ewers does have a signature win. And then when it comes to the Heisman, you do need a Heisman moment. He already has his Heisman moment. If he does, if he has no other great moments this year, he'll still have that. But you need to have the numbers, you need to have the record, and you need to have the moment. So to me, um, Bo Nix doesn't have that moment yet, but he ha- he is accumulating numbers. And in terms of the record, to me, I actually right now am trusting this Oregon team uh, in a way that I am not trusting Washington and USC in the sense that I I believe Oregon is a more balanced uh, team right now, especially in terms of just looking at offense and defense. I think they're strong on both. Um, And you can look at that just from the different outcomes and back-to-back weeks from that Oregon game against Colorado and that USC game against Colorado. So yes, it is a 
team name, as you mentioned, but we know that team record is going to have an impact on those Heisman votes. And I, beginning of this year, I did choose Oregon to win the Pac-12. You know, this hasn't happened yet, but it is looking pretty good. And I think that with that defense and with that balanced <laughs> team, Oregon has a chance to um, have a great record at the end of the season. I would pick them to win at least one of those two games if you're looking at them playing Washington and, and USC. And so I think his stats are good enough also to be in that Heisman race. Again, not right now. I think right now he's not going to be top three on anybody's board. But I'm a little I'm doing a little bit of talk about You're talking about again. Bo? Uh I think Bo right now is okay. is, you know, I can admit that fewer people are going to have Bo right now in their top three. And that's that's fine. I'm projecting a little bit forward and saying he right now actually has better numbers than I think most people would think. Right. And if you include if you add that on top of the fact that I think his team might be better than the other two Pac-12 uh, teams, then I think that's going to matter. And when you have, you know, when they play head to head, if Bo Nix wins those games, I think, and is putting up decent numbers, I think that'll be enough to have him him top that. So yeah, I've got Bo Nix, the veteran. He's uh, he's getting old. He's you know getting up there in age, uh, but you know so is Michael Penix, and um, Bo I think is is quietly putting together a really great season. Um, so yeah, that's why he's he's in my top three. Yeah, Bo's old enough to rent a car on his own, I'm sure. <laughs> and, and drive, At this point, drive like to 23. the Twelve Championship. Uh, what he will do in that car? Oh boy. As we all know, um, I picked USC as my Pac-12 champion, and I just hope that uh, it's uh, shootouts from here on out uh, and that USC has, is the last team with the ball. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I'm, I'm, their defense is not as good as I thought it was going to be. But, no, you make terrific points. I am I can't argue with the numbers. I mean, my only argument is with <laughs> the moment and – He's got another opportunity here on Saturday uh, heading to uh, Dallas as they uh, take on Oklahoma for the Red River rivalry. So, yeah, those are our Heisman top three hopefuls that we have. Great points by Phil, great points by myself, and we will see who wins near the end of the year. Excited about week six with the Buckeyes taking on the Terps and just college football as a whole. Uh, with that, I'm Hugie. That's Philly Phil. Phil, can you tell the audience before we go where they can catch us on social? Absolutely. You can follow us on TikTok at BIA.pod. Also on Instagram at BIA.pod. We're on YouTube at BIA underscore pod. Um, and you can listen to the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And as always, OH. I hope.